Welcome to More Than Medicine, where Jesus is more than enough for the ills that plague our culture and our country. Hosted by author and physician, Dr. Robert Jackson. Papa, can you tell me a story? Do you really want me to tell you a story? (laughs) Well, you go get your brother and your sisters and I will tell you a story. Welcome to Devotions with Dr. Papa. As we look into the written word, which reveals to us the living word, who is none other than the Lord Jesus Christ. I've been thinking a lot lately about what it means to finish well. When my son was in high school, he was a long-distance runner. And it wasn't unusual for him and his friends on the cross-country team to participate in 5K runs. Oh, I'm just tired thinking about it. And their coach who was, by the way, a very good coach, would often say to them that they needed to finish well. And he challenged them to save a little bit of gas in the tank so that when they got to the last quarter mile, that they could sprint across the finish line. And his runners were well known for the ability to do just that. And they would often sprint the last quarter mile overtaking others that might be ahead of them who were just completely exhausted and almost walking to the finish line. And his runners would sprint across the finish line, bypassing others who might be ahead of them. And they were well known for having that little bit of energy saved up so that they could, quote, finish well. What about you and me in the Christian life? Do we concern ourselves with finishing well. Many, many years ago when I was in my 30s, I was sitting in the choir loft one Wednesday night at choir practice when a lady comes up and says to the choir, we need somebody to help in the nursery. We don't have a nursery worker for tonight. There was a 70-year-old lady in the choir who said, let the young bucks do it. I looked around and there were several young moms in the choir and dismayed, they wearily got up and started walking towards the the nursery to take care of their own children. Now, my my wife was one of those young moms, and I understood exactly what she was thinking. She was delighted to have an opportunity to participate in the choir because there was someone else taking care of the three children that we had at that time just so she could be involved in a ministry. And the attitude of the older lady, I guess she thought she was old enough to retire from Christian ministry. Now, I'm a little older now, and I understand fully the sentiment that that older lady had because I'm less physically fit, and sometimes I'm just plain old tired. But is that God's will for us as we age in the Christian life? Is that God's will for senior citizen Christians? I have two Christian friends who talk constantly about finishing well in the Christian life. You see, they are concerned that they might not finish well in in a way that pleases God. To be honest, I pray a lot to the Lord that He would allow me to cross the finish line into heaven. Just like my son and his compatriots on his uh, cross-country team would run 
across the finish line. I, I want to cross the finish line into heaven with my hair on fire for Jesus, sharing the gospel, teaching the Bible, making disciples, going on mission trips, loving my wife and children and grandchildren, and doing those things which contribute to the building up of the kingdom of God. Now, let me tell you, I have a friend who's 91 years old, and he just completed his 106th trip to Mexico, helping to build the kingdom of God in Mexico. Now, he's not going there to lie on the beach at Cancun. He's going to one of the poorest parts of the whole country. And he goes there to plant churches and to teach the Bible and to feed the poor and to help educate children. In the 25 years that he's been going there, he's helped to plant a dozen or more churches and not just plant the church, but he's helped them to build their own buildings. He has built four or five what he calls hope centers where they feed the poor They help children with their homework after school. They teach moms how to uh, cook more nutritionally. And they share the gospel in the hope centers. And those hope centers exploded during COVID, where they were feeding hundreds of people every day through the hope centers and sharing the gospel. And he is now reaping the harvest of 20-plus years of going there, being faithful, being committed, and building churches, training pastors, sharing the gospel. Did I say he was 91 years old? He gets up every morning and walks for exercise for 30 minutes. He eats like a horse, doesn't take any medication. His mind is as sharp as a tack. And every day he gets up and jumps in his minivan and he rides to all these churches and checks on them like a circuit-riding Baptist preacher. And when he meets these pastors, the first thing he asks them is, what's your plan for planting the next church? And they know he's going to ask that. So they're always thinking, what can I do to plant the next church? You see, Roy's not retired. He's building the kingdom of God, even at age 91. And I pray all the time, Lord, just let me be like Roy. Now, I understand he's he's blessed with physical health that many folks don't have at that age. But if I have that kind of health, I want to be busy about the ministry of the kingdom of God, just like he is. Now, let's contrast that with some of my patients. You see, I deal every day with, with patients who are aged. They're old. They know they're old. They consider themselves to be old. And they talk about their chronic illnesses with me every day. And and I just want to contrast the attitude of my patients. And I'm going to categorize them as supposedly Christian and obviously Christian. And their characteristics are very different. My supposedly Christian Patients who have chronic illnesses are always complaining, mully-grubbing, and they're embittered about their life. They're mad at God. They're mad at me. They're mad at everybody because they have degenerative joint disease or emphysema or, or whatever. It doesn't matter what it is. They're just mad, and they're alone. You know, 
bitterness causes people to end up living life all alone because nobody wants to be around somebody who's bitter or mad all the time. And they end up being alienated from their family and their friends. And more than that, there's no joy in their lives. They have no testimony of the goodness of God in their life, and they end up very self-centered. Everything's about them and about their illness. Now, contrast that with the people that I call obviously Christian. They have the same illnesses. They have the same degenerative joint disease. Their joints hurt all the time. They're frail. They've got other types of illnesses that are just like these other patients who are supposedly Christian. But when I walk in the exam room, they're praising the Lord. Their their hearts are full of gratitude. And rather than complaining and being embittered, they're thankful and they're praising God. And they're very attractive to others. They, they attract other people to them. Their children and their grandchildren and their friends, they want to be around these obviously Christian people because their attitudes are joyful. They're full of joy and they're full of friends. And more than that, they're focused on others. Rather than being self-centered, self-focused, they're focused on others. And when I walk in the exam room, the first thing they do is they ask me about myself and about my health, and about my family, and my children, and my grandchildren. And if I'm not careful, we'll spend the whole time talking about me rather than talking about them and their illnesses and their need for their medications. That's how other-focused they are. Now, you see, it's a choice, isn't it? You see, these two groups of patients, the supposedly Christian and the obviously Christian They just choose. You choose to be in one group or the other. Many years ago, I read a book by an author named Paul Bilheimer, and the title of the book was Don't Waste Your Sorrows. And he was writing about people who have chronic illness, chronic disability, chronic debility. And he was challenging those folks to not waste their physical ailments. Because you see, when people are disabled, they cannot work. They have time. Time available to do what? Well, it can be squandered just sitting on the couch watching Oprah on TV all day, which is what exactly what a lot of my patients do. Or they can spend their time worshiping God. They can spend their time abiding in the Word. They can spend their time in intercessory prayer, praying for the lost, praying for missionaries, praying for other people who are sick. And you know what? I have patients who do exactly that, and they are the ones who are obviously Christian, and there's such a joy and such a delight to be around those folks. They don't waste their sorrows. They invest their lives in the kingdom of God the best they are able. Now, let's talk about some Bible characters. (laughs) You knew I would get to that, didn't you? Abraham finished well. You know, even though on a couple of occasions he didn't trust God, with his relationship to the foreign pagan kings, and he lied, and he told them that Sarah was his sister rather than his wife. Nevertheless, the overall tenor of his life was that he was a man who trusted in God. The Bible says that his faith was counted to him as righteousness. And Abraham was counted in the hall of faith in Hebrews 11. And at the end of his life, his sons were there, And the Bible says that he finished his life 
well. Well, then so did David. David finished well, despite the debacle with Bathsheba and Uriah the Hittite, the overall tenor of David's life was that he was a man who loved God, who worshiped God, who wrote the Psalms. He was called the friend of God. And you see, David in the end finished well. His family surrounded him on his deathbed. They were not alienated from him. And he was even able to appoint his son Solomon to sit on the throne of the kingdom in his place. You see, despite the sin, and we all have sin, don't we? Despite the failing in Abraham's life and in David's life, they finished well because the overall characteristic of those men's lives was loving God and trusting in God and serving God. Well, a Ahab did not finish well. (laughs) Elijah said to to Ahab, you're the one who troubles Israel. You're the one who has forsaken the commandment of God and have worshipped and served the Baal. And you know that Ahab did not finish well. The aimless, nameless archer drew a bow at a venture and the arrow struck him in a chink in his armor. And he ended up going back to Jezreel, the very same place where he stole Naboth's vineyard. And there he died. And as Elijah had prophesied, the dogs licked up his blood there in Jezreel. And not a single man of his family lived just as Elijah had prophesied. Ahab did not finish well. He was not a man of faith. He was not a man who lived to please God, and he did not finish well. Now, this begs the question, what does it take for you and me to finish well? Well, let me give you four quick things. Number one, we have to stay close. It requires a life of faithfulness. And by that, I mean in the little things. If we start off faithful and disciplined In the basics of the Christian life, the little things of the Christian life, Jesus promised that we would be faithful in the more difficult things, in the bigger things, like speaking the truth when everyone around you is believing lies, like clinging to the Word of God when your entire family is becoming secular and progressive like continuing to worship God and value His church when everyone you know is abandoning His church. You see, you and I have to be faithful and disciplined in the little things, in the basics of the Christian life. And Jesus said, if you and I would be faithful in the little things, then we'll also be faithful in much, in the bigger things. Stay close to Jesus. Abide in Him. Abide in the Word. Abide in Him as a branch abides in the vine. First thing is stay close. Number two is stay committed. Committed to walk in obedience to God's Word. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. We have to be committed to be obedient for a lifetime. Not just for a short time, but for a lifetime. Like my friend Roy, who's committed to fulfilling the Great Commission in other parts of of the world. You and I have to be committed to obeying all the commands that Jesus gave us, not just to pick and choose, (laughs) but to, to obey all the commands 
of God's Word. Stay committed. Number three is to stay controlled. And by that, I mean controlled by Holy Spirit. That's a daily surrendering to the presence and the power and the purity of Holy Spirit who lives in us as Christians. I'm satisfied that older Christians who are controlled by Holy Spirit are not going to be bitter and complaining and self-centered. They're going to be sweet-spirited, full of the fruit of Holy Spirit, and they'll be focused on others, and they'll be continuing in increasing measure to manifest the fruit of the Spirit in their lives, and they'll be concerned and applying themselves to Christian ministry to the very end of their lives. Why? Because their lives are controlled by the Holy Spirit who lives in them. And then lastly, stay connected. And by that, I mean staying connected to Christians who are committed to finishing well. You see, we all need to be challenged, and we all need to be encouraged. Some years ago, I had a friend who was at my house, and this friend had been out of church for a number of years, and we we were talking a little bit about our church and the need to be involved with the church, and he was quite disparaging about the importance of being involved in the church. It was in the wintertime, and I had a fire in the fireplace. So while we were talking, I reached in the fire with a pair of tongs, and I took out one of the logs that was burning brightly, and I just set it on the hearth all by itself. And as we continued to talk, you know what happened. Well, that that log just quit burning, and it started to smoke, and then after a little while, it wasn't even smoking. It just kind of grew cold. So after a little while, I pointed to that log, and I said to my friend, I said, that's you. He said, what do you mean? I said, well, what happened to that log when I took it out of the fire? And he looked at me puzzled, and he looked at the log, and he said, well, it went out. And I said, what else? He said, well, it's it's not even smoking. I said, what else? He said, well, it's kind of hard, and it's kind of cold. I said, that's you, brother. I said, when you quit going to church, you lost your passion and your zeal for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I said, now your heart is hard and cold. And I said, on top of that, when I put that log back in the fire, it's going to take a while for it to catch on because it's charred and it's hard, just like your heart. And he stared at me for the longest, and then he smiled and he nodded and he said, Doc, you're right. And the next Sunday, he was back in church. The Spirit of God spoke to him. Now, you and I need encouraging just like that. We need challenging. You see, I have an accountability partner that I meet with every other week. And he and I ask each other hard questions about our spiritual lives to make sure that we're both being faithful to the Word of God, faithful to our families, faithful to our spouses. And you see, I do that because I want to stay committed and because I want to finish well. In Psalms 92, verses 12 to 15, there's a very interesting passage that I I read to myself repeatedly that... Uh, is a challenge to me, and and I want to share it with you really quickly. Um, Psalms 92, verse 12 to 15, says this, says, The righteous man will flourish like the palm tree. He will grow like a cedar in Lebanon, planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. Now pay attention. They will still yield fruit in old age. They shall be full of sap and very green. To declare that the Lord is upright, He is my rock, and there is no unrighteousness in him. Did you catch that? 
that a righteous man will flourish like a palm tree, and that in, in his old age he will flourish and still yield fruit. He'll be full of sap and very green. And then it tells the purpose, to declare that the Lord is upright. You see, God doesn't give us good health in old age just so we can spend it on our own selves, going to the mountains and going to the beach and working in our gardens. God gives us good health so that we can declare that the Lord is righteous, so that we can have time and health to expend it on Christian ministry like my friend Roy. I have lots of Christian friends who are my patients and my friends who are between 80 and 90 years of age. They have discretionary income. They have discretionary time, but they're just old and dried up. They're not full of sap and very green. They're not yielding fruit any longer. They're barren and fruitless. They're not flourishing. They're decaying. And I want you to understand that this is a choice. It's a choice that you and I make. Are we going to be like this righteous man who's full of sap and very green? Are we going to be fruitful? Are we going to be flourishing? You see, finishing well is a choice that we make. But it's not a choice that we make when we're old. It's a choice that we make every day. It's a choice that we make starting now. We can't make that decision later in life. We make that decision today. We make it every day. And when we make the decision every day now, then we'll be that righteous, older citizen, Christian citizen, who continues to flourish, who continues to bear fruit, who continues to be full of sap and very green. Thank you for listening to this edition of More Than Medicine. For more information about the Jackson Family Ministry, Dr. Jackson's books, or to schedule a speaking engagement, go to their Facebook page, Instagram, or their webpage at jacksonfamilyministry.com. This podcast is produced by Bob Sloan Audio Production at bobsloan.com.